Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are breaking down Knicks heat tonight. One of the most important playoff preps that the Knicks have left, and of course the Cavs game coming up on Friday. But for tonight, lots of playoff implications on the line. The Knicks are fighting for their lives to hold that five seed. We'll explain why this game is an extra must win for that purpose. Plus, we'll talk about Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel Quickly, and others, and what they can do to bounce back after the pretty poor Heat performance last week. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, please make sure to hit subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app and then the notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app. We are here five days a week, so we want to make sure you don't miss any episodes ever. And... I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. Probably wrapping up uh, a lot of the high school sports season at this point, Gavin. You know, it's, uh, yeah, all, all, done with, all done with basketball on, on, on to lacrosse. Very, very kind of the high school basketball season to uh, open you up for Nick's playoff push here. Um, <laughs> they, they, yeah, you know, they, 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 they cut off a month because the Knicks were doing well, so it worked out. <laughs> Yeah, it works. It works out well. Uh, so the heat, how about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's big, big game, big game. Um, so the first thing um, I was looking at in this one um, is uh, Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brunson, right? Best players on both teams. Will, will each of them play? Uh, seems like they will. Uh, Brunson expected to play. Jimmy Butler expected to play and Alex we can get into this more um next segment we're going to dive deep into like specifically how Julius and Jalen struggled last time out but this to me is a big best player on the court game right because there are a lot of times over the last few years where the Knicks have played the heat where where Jimmy for like lack of a better term basically like lowered his trousers and took a big old dump on the New York Knicks right and he like stared Julius Randle down and said I'm better than you and just tortures the Knicks, I feel like, every single time that we play the Miami Heat. And I, I think Jalen Brunson, maybe it's Julius Randle. Like Julius, obviously, two games ago, he, he more than answered the bell. He was clearly the best guy on the court. Um, but one of those two guys, Alex, I think, I think it's pivotal that they step up because there is a real psychological thing with the Heat. I mean, you even, even your Celtics fans, like Bill Simmons, talk about all the time. They don't want to see the Heat in the playoffs. And for the Knicks, I mean, because they're both lower seeds, it's not a concern. But for this one night only and, and and a game that is absolutely essential, as you're about to outline, um, for the Knicks playoff seating, like this feels like a playoff type of game. And I think Jimmy Butler is going into it saying like, all right, like I'm going to be the best dude on the court. So we're probably going to win. 
and it's on either Brunson or Randall or maybe both of them to come out and say, no, like we're, we're also all NBAers and we can outplay you on any given night. Yeah. And with Butler too, so much of it comes down to, and I mean, this we'll get into in a little bit as well, but he's just so good at drawing fouls. Like he's throughout his career, he's been maybe one of the best foul drawers in the entire NBA. And like, that's, something that the Knicks struggle with sometimes when there's a guy that can get inside and is crafty enough to like sort of outsmart their interior defense. He's always just been, he's ironically, he's built to be a Tibbs player and has been a Tibbs player. And yet he's also a player built to destroy this version of Tibbs. Uh, So if he plays, the Knicks are going to have to be, they're going to have to have a special game plan in place to try to limit Butler. Maybe it's throwing some doubles at him. Maybe it's, you know, just trying to at least get somebody in his way before he can get into the paint um, while not sacrificing giving up threes around the perimeter because that's an issue as well. So that'll be intriguing to see, and we'll talk more about that. But the implications of this game. uh, So the Knicks are at a point where they have magic numbers because they're they're holding the five seed currently. So right now, if they want to make the six seed, no small task. They have to win four out of their final six games to secure the six seed. Uh, they also have to win five out of their last six games to hold this five seed. Now, the way magic numbers work is that they also take into account when other teams that are competing with you lose. So... You know, they're, they're in sort of a good spot right now where if they beat the Heat in this game, there's sort of a double implication of they are adding a win to their own column and adding a loss to the greatest threat to them keeping a top six seed. So that helps their magic number as well. Uh, the Knicks, their last six games, play this game against Miami at home. Then they're at Cleveland, back home for Washington, and then a two-game road trip to Indy and New Orleans, and then back at home against Indy. So... It's going to be pretty tough for them. Uh, the Heat, though, don't control their own destiny at this point. As far as the five and six seed, they basically need things to start falling into place for them. So they can do themselves a lot of favors by beating the Knicks in this game because that starts a slide. Uh, because one of the Knicks or the Nets are going to have to lose some games here down the stretch to relinquish relinquish one of those, those guaranteed spots and create an opening for the Heat. Uh, As of right now, they're pretty well in the driver's seat to stay in the play-in, so I don't think that their magic numbers, as far as doing that, are particularly uh, important. I think when I was looking, their magic number to stay in the playoffs was something like, let's see, actually to to hold the seven seed, and at least, you know, give themselves home court for that playing game, they they also have to win five games at this point. Um, and But to just guarantee that they make the playoffs, they only have to win one more game. Or the play-in, I should say. To guarantee mm-hmm. they make the play-in, they only need to win one more game. So it's, it's going to be interesting. They're three games behind the Knicks right now, two and a half behind the Nets. So the implications run pretty deep for both teams in this game because for the Knicks, it's essentially like, let's keep this distance. And for the Heat, it's like, well, we need one of these two teams to really falter down these final few games. And so we have an opportunity to make the Knicks falter in this game. Yeah, it is, again, a playoff type game. And I think that is your concern for the Knicks coming into it. Because the last time these two teams met, 
it felt like a playoff game two times ago when Julius absolutely cooked them. It felt like a playoff type game. And we've seen the Knicks at points this year. And I, I think to me, this, this game is, it, it, it represents more than one game, right? In that there, there have been stretches where they've looked incredible against high level competition. Like um, like right after the heat, when the Celtics win the next night. Right. And then there have been games where they look really flummoxed when they're playing elite competition and particularly elite competition that takes the time to craft a very specific game plan for the Knicks. And when I say the Knicks, I really mean Julius Randle and to a slightly lesser extent, Jalen Brunson. I want to explain what I mean by that in just a sec, Alex. But first, I have to tell everyone about our good friends over at FanDuel. March Madness is absolutely heating up. One of the craziest NCAA tournaments I can remember. And there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which teams will be cutting down the net on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right. And with that, we are back on the Locked On Knicks podcast. Alex, I, I, I noted it just a, just a second ago. But my number one question coming into this game surrounds Julius Randle, right? Because he was a guy who was on the hot seat as of a few days ago, gave the Knicks a, a little bit of a reprieve with how he performed against the Rockets. But is it fair to say that um, arguably the NBA's worst defense, a team that's right in the mix, maybe isn't the greatest litmus test for um, if Julius is going to be able to keep his head on straight, for lack of a better term, for a full game against the premier team in in what feels like a monumental moment for this team? And I think particularly at home, because there's a world where like Julius like comes out and starts 0 for 4 and has a couple turnovers and and the Boo Birds come out for him and I, I think how he starts this game and how he in particular, he handles the heat's trapping, right? Because that to me, like when, when the Knicks don't quite look playoff ready, the number one like alarm bell for that in my head is when Julius is getting double teamed and he's not recognizing it in time and he's not making the right plays. So last time out against the heat, he did have nine assists, which is a fantastic indicator of him making the right play, but he also had four turnovers. And then the even bigger thing was he had 15 points and it came on just 16 shots and one free throw taken. And he only took 11 two-point field goals in that game. That, to me, is representative of the Heat dictating the terms of engagement with Julius Randle. To Julius's credit, he, he spurred on a starting lineup that was super efficient, right? The starter shot really, really well, 59% from the floor in this game. And that was partially due to his passing. But I think the Heat will take that trade off every single time where they're turning Julius into a passer and a slow passer at that and one who's very turnover happy, and one who's not getting to the foul line um, by sending these blindside double teams. And Alex, as we've said a bunch of times with Julius Randle, he is just a very slow um, recognizer of when a second guy is coming, and it leads to the Knicks offense, despite a 120-point game, I I think getting caught up a little bit and not necessarily getting to play their style. I I don't know. Is that what you saw the last time these two teams matched up? Yeah, the more I was thinking about it, the more I think like the last time that the Knicks played the heat. It was almost like they turned Julius into a slightly less efficient version of like the 2021 version of Julius, right? Like the, 
2020 to 21, I should say, not not last year's version. But like it, he wasn't allowed to do the things that he does best. Like they didn't give him any clean looks from three. They He didn't get to the rim nearly as much as he normally would. And he wasn't able to generate free throws as a result. And those have sort of been the hallmarks of his season so far and why he's been so good is that he's taken that more uh, analytics-friendly shot profile and really run with it. And, you know, that's why we've seen, like, he's not shooting as high of a percentage from three, but he's making more of them. Like, he just became the other day the he, – he also broke John Starks' record that prior to last season had stood for, like, 30 years almost, uh, you know, and and – broke that because he's been so key to the Knicks as far as spacing the floor, uh, making threes and just taking a lot of them and getting good looks. And, you know, the heat just didn't really offer that to him in the last game. That's why he wound up shooting one of five from three. He only had one free throw attempt. Uh, just not a, not a fantastic uh, like display of the new and improved Julius Randle because they were doing such a good job of just sending doubles at him the second that he would start looking to create something, um, which I guess that kind of highlights. The other thing is that Julius, like for as amazing as he's played this season, he's definitely, he, he's really good at breaking down plenty of guys one-on-one, but he is not the best at, especially if he's in motion, cleanly splitting a double team or creative, creating something out of that. It seems like a double tends to sort of stop him in his tracks. And then that's where you, that's never where you want to be as a basketball player. If you're getting doubled, like you want to do your best to at least keep the ball on the floor a little bit and give yourself an opportunity to maybe split between those two defenders or just like on the move, like hit somebody while the defense is still reacting to the fact that they themselves just sold out on defending you. And instead Julius, a lot of times once that double comes gives teams a second to kind of reset themselves a little bit and, that can affect the the quality of looks that he can generate for the team, I think. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a test for him because I would not be surprised if we see the Cavs do something similar. Like if they have uh, Evan Mobley on Randall as his main defender and then send like a Coro or Mitchell to just kind of get in there and like poke at him. Uh, I would not be surprised if that's the case. So Julius should probably get used to that sort of treatment coming up quite a bit. Yeah, and I, I think an, another indicator of, of him playing a little out of control was that he had five fouls, which tends to happen when he gets frustrated offensively. You see him uh, commit like frustration fouls on defense. He also had at least one um, offensive foul in this game, which maybe is just a product of being guarded by Bam Adebayo. But we, we see him like it kind of spirals with him at times, right? Like first it's the turnovers, then it's the fouls, then it turns into drawing at the refs, then it turns into a play where he doesn't close out. Like there, there was one play in the, I think it was the second quarter of this game where he just let Jimmy Butler walk into an open three. And look, Jimmy Butler isn't a great shooter, but he's an opportunistic three point shooter. And if you give him time and space, like he'll, he'll make you pay for it um, consistently. And I, I think what the crazy thing about it, Alex is, is like my concerns about Randall against the heat and also Randall in playoff type settings, even go back to that masterpiece. He had two games ago, or I think it was, I think it was 42 points that he finished with obviously hit the insane game winning shot. But if you remember, like he was completely, he like lost the basketball on that game winning shot. And it took kind of a fluky bounce off of, I think it was Butler's ankle that he was even able to get it back and hit the shot. And it was, it was again, one of those things where you're like, all right, we won, but is this really going to translate 
to postseason basketball. So I think, I mean, like, who knows? Like, you can't expect the player, obviously, to totally change in five or six games. It's almost more so about how Tom Thibodeau positions him and how Tom Thibodeau kind of plays that chess mass, match with Eric Spolster and says, all right, every time uh, Julius is doubled, um, RJ is going to flash to the middle of the paint and, and he's going to be open off of that. Or, or Mitch is going to cut in for a lob. Like, they're just – there have to be like hot reads almost like you would have with, with an NFL quarterback against the blitz for Julius. And I, I think the more you can premeditate that, and that's hard to do against the coach is good as Polster because it won't be exactly the same double teams. They won't be coming from the same place. It won't be the same players, but I, I think that's how you can handle it. Um, Jalen Brunson is interesting, right? Because like you, you look at the box score on a surface level, like he had a pretty good game offensively. He was 10 for 16 from the field, um, three for five from the line, 25 points, six assists on 16 shots. That's that, that's a good night for anyone in the NBA. But he also had five turnovers. And three of them that I counted in the game were directly like thrown to Jimmy Butler when he got caught up in midair throwing a jump pass. And you very rarely see Jalen Brunson not dictating the terms of engagement against the defense, right? Because he is such a master manipulator. He can basically do everything well offensively. Um, but we've seen a couple teams, like I think of how the Raptors would, would send two bodies at him and bigger guys at him, like kind of fluster him, take him out of his game and take advantage of the fact that Alex, at the end of the day, he's still a shoot first guy and he's not Chris Paul. And he's, he's not going to come out there and say like, all right, you want to throw two at me? Like, I'm going to beat you with the pass um, before you can even blink. Like, like when the double team's first coming, I'm already zipping it to the open guy. That's not totally Brunson's game. And I think the Heat did a good job of leveraging that and, and making him, again, not inefficient, but not allowing him to just pour in points against them and leading to some transition opportunities for them on the other end when he got caught in no man's land and just kind of had to give up the basketball. I mean, what, what, what are you looking for out of him in, in, in this game back as he tries to catch a rhythm before the playoffs start? Well, you know, I'd say he has to avoid the cardinal sin of passing, Gavin. He's got to not leave his feet. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think that's the main thing is just maybe like, playing a little more in control and, and much like with Randall, just trying to trying to slow himself down when those doubles do come and, and look to, you know, like, I, I think it's sort of on Tibbs too. I, I think this is what it, what it comes down to basically like Tibbs has to hopefully, you know, he's watched the film at least three times, perhaps even five or six since that last heat game and can identify some scenarios to create easy opportunities for, Brunson and Randall to have bailouts here because the Knicks for everything that they do well under Tibbs they mostly do it well because they do the same thing a lot and that makes them sort of predictable to teams like the Heat where you know the Heat then can identify like yeah okay like they know how to do this stuff really well but we can make them uncomfortable and maybe maybe they won't be able to do this stuff and that's where you run into like situations where Brunson and Randall are they're getting doubled, which in theory, you know, there should be something there for them to look for. But then their first read or second read is is already sort of smothered by the fact that the Heat just have it so well scouted. So I think that's going to be the key. Try to set up some easy opportunities for R.J. Barrett, for Quentin Grimes, for uh, Josh Hart. I mean, those three guys I just mentioned are fantastic cutters. And I think that that's really going to be the key for the Knicks here, like for as, for as good as the heat are, I think that if you can make it, if you can lay the floor out properly, you can create a situation where you can stretch Bam out of bio a little too thin. I think, you know, if they're going to be sending doubles at Randall and Brunson, if you can 
position the floor in such a way that Mitchell Robinson is keeping Bam on one side of the hoop and you can have someone else cutting to the other side. He can't be in two places at once, ultimately. And if you get it to a quick decision maker like a Josh Hart or a Quentin Grimes or even an R.J. Barrett who has good lob chemistry with Mitch, suddenly you're making Bam look at this and say, oh, crap. If I contest this guy, he might just toss a lob to Mitchell Robinson, who's directly behind me and can get a dunk. But if I, you know, just give a light contest on him, then obviously he's going to make it. You know, like there's you could create all these machinations, I feel like, that stem from the fact that the Heat are going to be overexerting themselves, sending two defenders at Julius and Brunson. And so that would probably be my solution to that. Um, but Gavin, I think we've we've got a few other things to talk about here, including Emmanuel quickly, who for all of his successes recently also did not have a good game against the heat last time out. We'll talk about the bench and we'll talk about keeping the fouls under control, which is definitely going to be important after they were such a big factor in the last game. Uh, but we'll get that. It, we'll get to that in just a second, right after we take our second break. All right. And we're back in to finish previewing this Knicks heat game. And Gavin Emmanuel quickly was where I wanted to, to look next um presumably if brunson plays in this game which seems like the indications are that he and butler are going to play uh there hasn't been anything official on either of them yet but brunson the other day even on the broadcast they were mentioning like uh yeah he's out today with the wrist issue but it seems like he's aiming to play on wednesday so take that for what it's worth would make me think that quickly is probably back to coming off the bench in this game but last game Against the Heat, he shot pretty atrociously. Uh, one of eight shooting, only five points, which really killed the Knicks in many ways because they needed his shooting, like in the worst way, to keep things competitive in that game. And it just was not happening. I thought the Heat, like I went back and watched all those eight attempts just to just to see if I was remembering right. And like the Heat really sent a lot of attention to him on the perimeter. Like it might not have been doubles, but they had someone glued to him, and that's not always the case. Like it seems like. A lot of rockets. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, it seems like a lot of teams when they defend the Knicks, they, they almost take the approach of just saying like, well, you know, these guys are not like a top 10 three point shooting team. So that's where we'll make them beat us. The heat. Meanwhile, we're like, no, we know that Emmanuel quickly can make three pointers and we're going to stick to him like glue. And they did. And like some of the attempts, it seemed like he was just rushing because someone was too in his face. A couple of them, he was actually like wide open and he just missed them, which you definitely can't. He needs to make the wide open ones, period, against this team. But then the other thing that sort of was the most concerning to me, Gavin, that I'll I'll throw to you is the fact that he he wasn't attacking closeouts in the way that I feel like he normally does to be most successful. Like the Emmanuel quickly special is he sees someone coming at him on the perimeter and then it's either the one dribble sidestep to avoid them or he puts it on the floor and gets by them and then puts them on his hip and then starts creating this situation where, again, you know, you could draw the center out that way and potentially create a lob or he just gets so close that then he just goes, OK, I'll just shoot a floater. And this one, it, se- it seemed like his his decision making was not at its peak, like he for whatever reason was getting past the closeout and then within like three feet of the three point line deciding then, okay, I'm going to try to draw a foul here. It was just kind of bizarre and, and sort of like Chucky, I guess, like he was just kind of like throwing stuff up there and seeing if he could draw fouls. 
And I feel like when he's at his best, like, yes, drawing fouls is a is a great part of Quickly's game, but I just felt like his recognition of when to try to draw those fouls was a little off and that he should kind of just go back to what he's good at, which is get as close as you possibly can, give yourself the best chance of potentially getting an and one or a lob or anything else. And then those foul opportunities will still be there. So I hope we see more of that from him in this game. Yeah. I, I think the big thing to me is that, I mean, look, the heat, the heat are playing playoff basketball against the Knicks in that they're making very specific matchup adjustments that you don't always see teams do in the regular season, right? Because obviously the playoffs, you have way more time to scout. You, you have way more time to build game plans around specific guys. The Heat are, are great about doing that on, on a game-to-game basis. Um, but I think the Knicks can do the same thing by attacking Tyler here. I mean, we, we saw when, when Miami um, struggled at times in the playoffs last year, and, and, and I, I say struggle maybe in, maybe in quotation marks because it's a team that came within one Jimmy Butler three going in and out of making the NBA Finals. But their biggest issue was teams just, just treating um, Tyler Hero like dog food, right? And, and, and just pulling him out, isolating him, and, and, and working him to death on the defensive end. And I, I don't know how often him and quickly will be on the floor at the same time, but, and, and, and Gabe Vincent is a better defender, but he's another guy that quickly could potentially go at, but he needs to get into his matchup, draw someone like hero, draw double teams, move the basketball. And, and quickly is a generally to your point, like the heat do a good job of just slowing up those mental gears, but quickly is generally a pretty good decision maker. So if he gets hero, um, I think he can draw two. I think he can make the right pass. And the other big thing for him is the mid-range game. Because to your point, the Heat, they're going to be on him. He's not. They're not going to concede a lot of wide-open threes. Um, but he can get going in the mid-range, and he can get going in transition and applying that kind of rim pressure. Because we, we've seen him um, have moments this year where he's getting a rebound or getting a steal and just going coast-to-coast coast and going through two, three, four guys. And he has that kind of ability. I just think he's not 100% confident in himself to do it every single game. And sometimes he has to get rolling from three for that other stuff to start clicking and coming off the 40 point game. Like I want to see him play with that confidence. It doesn't mean chucking. That doesn't mean taking terrible shots, but it means knowing what you're good at and and being confident enough to take those shots, even against the great defense. And we flash back to last year, Alex, like his best game of last season, I thought was against the heat when the Knicks were down by what was it like 17 in the fourth quarter. And, or maybe, maybe it was a little less than that. And he led them all the way back. Like I, I, I think we need that version of quickly. Um, the other big thing I'm looking at is is the starters versus the bench disparity because offensively, defensively the starters had issues galore in that game, but offensively they were overall fantastic for like everything I said about Brunson, everything I said about Randall. They shot 36 for 61 from the field. That's 59 percent. While the bench shot six for 21. That is 29 percent. So we've we've talked about quickly, Alex. But I mean, who else are you looking for on the bench to step up for the Knicks? I mean, you're going to need like Josh Hart, as always, to push the pace and, you know, be the the player that you know that he can be. And he was like the one guy off the bench in the last game that you could probably say pulled his weight as far as overall shooting and stuff. But like Obi Toppin, Isaiah Hartenstein, like neither of them had particularly great games in the last one. Like Hartenstein, I mean, this you can't see out of a center. Three turnovers, zero assists. Uh especially for him with how how he plays the game uh, at that spot of being more of a facilitator. Like, you can't have your bench center coughing the ball up three times. Uh, Obi Toppin as well, only one of five, only one of four from three. I mean, he and quickly both in that last game just seemed completely out of sorts. And, you know, there's going to be some staggering. So, you know, most likely RJ is going to get the opportunity to run 
that bench unit for decent stretches like he has. And I'm sure he'll do pretty well with that. Like RJ, we haven't even shouted out mostly because like in the last game against the heat, he was pretty great. Like there was, it's kind of like one of those, like almost no notes situations for, for RJ after the last game. Cause he had 26, six rebounds and five assists on eight of 13 shooting last time around. Like, but he's going to be out there with the bench. I guess maybe, you know, he had five assists in the last game. Perhaps the thing that you look for from RJ more in this game is is trying to get that bench going because he seems to be one of the few guys that can I mean something about when he faces Jimmy Butler he just like becomes Jimmy Butler um and suddenly has that ability to get to the to get inside get to the free throw line like generate all those opportunities on the inside and maybe the solution is that RJ starts looking a little more to kick to the perimeter and get his teammates going in this game because the heat definitely pay RJ a good amount of attention uh, just like they do, you know, any player that they view a threat, like they're very good about uh, m- making sure to to neutralize threats and and pinpoint what they need to do. RJ seems to be one guy they don't quite have figured out yet. So I, ironically enough, even though I think it's the bench kind of needs to step up, I think that RJ, the starter, might actually be one of the biggest keys to the bench since he gets so much time with them. Yeah, he, I mean, his his ability to create is huge. And, and that is something the Heat um... – do a good job limiting in general. But as we mentioned, Randall like did have the nine assists. RJ had five assists, which for him, I mean, that's one of his best passing performances of the whole season. So he did a really good job taking advantage of how they were guarding him. And I thought to your point, it was huge that he didn't force the issue. I mean, you see that in the eight for 13, but I was just going back through my notes in that game. And like, it was another one of those games where he, he made the decision to just make the simple unselfish play a bunch of times. And um, I think Obi Toppin's another guy I'm looking for to play well in this game. And I think Alex, I mean, like we were, we were originally talking today, a little, little behind the scenes for everyone about doing a preview of the Knicks playoff rotation, like how Tibbs uses Obi in what feels like, if not a must win game, like pretty close to that as the regular season winds down. Um, I think it'll be a good litmus test for how he uses Obi in the playoffs where Obi could potentially be totally out of the rotation, in the playoffs. And I wonder if there's a world Alex, where like if Obi comes out in the first half, clanks three threes, as a defensive mishap, if in the second half we get um, quickly Grimes, Harden, RJ as like your one through four with with the center um, coming off the bench. Um, conversely, I think if Obi um, finds ways to get to the basket, like I, I almost don't even care if he makes the shot. I mean, obviously I want him to make the shot, but he just needs to find ways to get downhill. Like obviously the Knicks are, are largely unwilling to put him in pick and roll, but whether that's cutting off of Hartenstein, who's, who's been a maven of late finding guys um, cutting to the rim, um, or it's finding a way to get out in transition, which the Heat are obviously going to be aware of and are going to try to take away. Like he needs three shots at the rim if he plays 12 minutes. That, that's that's really all I'm looking for out of Obi Toppin. Um, and then the other thing is like, um, and this is something you noted, um, can the Knicks keep the fouls under control? Um, Mitch, Hartenstein, Julius Randle, all with five fouls. And that like, especially when you're when you're down late in the game and you're trying to come back, you're playing with one hand behind your back, right? Because it was your center like, is like, all right, like I remember there was a play very specifically in that game where Jimmy Butler got an offensive rebound and Mitch didn't contest the shot because he didn't want to foul out. Um, and the Knicks can't play that way down the stretch. So I'm looking for like particularly early in the game, can those guys avoid silly fouls? And and to your point, Butler puts them in a very compromising position. There are times where he just, he'll run into you and throw up a shot and the rest will blow the whistle. But I think the key is not getting frustrated, not compounding like those defensive fouls that might be like BS, but are inevitable. 
with like particularly in Julius's case, then like trying to like run some one over on the other end and committing an offensive foul. Yeah. And it's also a real balancing act too, when you're facing the heat, because there are going to be times where they're going to throw like a weird small lineup at you or something like they, they might throw Kevin love at the five for a second Mm -hmm. against you, you know, and, and make you deal with that. And that was something that I feel like the Knicks sort of struggled with in the last game was keeping up with the perimeter. And as usual, it's like, it's sort of one of those deals where they, they sell out on drop, you know, because that's just their identity. And then sometimes it creates those opportunities where guys are getting looks on the perimeter wide open. And that was part of what torched the Knicks. The heat shot like 57% from three in the last game. So I think they're going to have to really balance that while also not finding themselves in compromising positions where, you know, you're going to have like uh, Mitchell Robinson having to recover down onto like Bam Adebayo and, and foul him because there's no other option. I think the best way or the best blueprint of how the Knicks have done this recently, and it seems like they haven't really done it as much since was the Portland game where they were more into the idea of throwing doubles at like Lillard, or at least like if not a full double, at least being more open to keeping like Mitchell Robinson on him on the perimeter for a moment and then having, you know, like quickly or whoever was on Dame slide down onto the center real quick and, then like get Mitch to quickly recover before, you know, like as the pass is coming in. So there's still a body on the center, but you know, it, it you're taking the ball out of the the chief, you know, shooter playmaker's hands. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Like also the other thing is that the the Heat are such a different team than the Blazers. So you obviously have to approach that a little differently because I think that the the Heat have more shooting all around the court than the Blazers do. And yeah, certainly RNS Nurkic, I think is, is, is kind of tough there. Like in terms yes, of like, like yeah. going to a big on the elbow. Yeah. 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 And it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously too, the heat are just flat out a better team than the Blazers. Yeah. But if the Knicks can find a way to harness that same sort of defensive scheme, that's another thing. If we're talking about playoff preps, that'll be really useful against the Cavs as well. I remember after that Blazers game, we also said, this is a great way to look at potentially beating the Cavs too, because if you can use that same strategy on, on Garland and Mitchell, you know, that could work. Like, and again, Bam is probably leagues above like Jared Allen or Evan Mobley as far as offensive touch now too. So that complicates things a bit, but I do think that the Knicks are going to have to like try something a little different to keep these guys out of foul trouble, because clearly what they were doing last time, was not particularly effective uh, as yeah. far as keeping Jimmy Butler out of the paint and keeping those fouls under control. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw this out there real quick and then we can wrap up. But uh, I, I want I want the Knicks to find a way to get Deuce McBride ten minutes in this game because, like, the three point shooting to me it wasn't it wasn't at the Heat where like I mean they they were really hot, but it, it, a lot of it came off dribble penetration and then kicking it out and 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 a lot of those fouls came off dribble penetration and it was a lot of times where Josh Hart was trying to guard Tyler Hero and. Um, I think it was Tom Piccolo who came on his podcast and talked about it. Josh Hart isn't really a quick, like he, you, you would, you like him guarding a Jimmy Butler. You don't really love him guarding someone like more slithery. And that's where Deuce can be great. That's where Grimes can be great. So I, I think getting those two minutes together, and maybe that means Jalen Brunson, like coming off of an injury, only plays 30 minutes in this one. And I'm, I'm honestly okay with that because the Heat victimized Jalen on defense over and over and over again. And look, and that's like, 
at a certain point, right, he's your best offensive player. You got to live with that a little bit. Like the, the Warriors lived with, not that Steph Curry's a better defender than Jalen Brunson is, but the Warriors have lived with some version of that for years because he's just the guy you go at against that team. But Alex, I would love for like Deuce to be out there setting a defensive tone and kind of being like, all right, you're trying to out tough us. We, we got the toughest dude in the building, Deuce McBride, let's go. Um, so I think that that to me is, uh, is, is going to be pivotal in this one. Yeah, and hopefully it can set the stage potentially for figuring out how to get Deuce involved in the playoffs because I think if you have that kind of stopper on your team, that's the type of guy you want to play in the playoffs. So, yeah, maybe some Deuce minutes. Finding a way to maybe expand things to 10 men again, but like not like a 50-50 10-man rotation like Tibbs kind of used to like to go. Maybe not a bad idea going into the playoffs so you keep your options all warmed up and ready to go for when you're going to need them the most, but lots to lots to think about lots of intrigue going into these last six games and the Knicks journey to, to get a guaranteed playoff spot kind of starts today. This feels like kind of a big starting point for this, this final stretch run of the season. So we'll have more on all those games coming up. Uh, Of course, the Cavs game is the very next one, which is going to have huge implications as well. And we'll be talking about that, but until next time, thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you guys all soon. Peace out.